a dating and makeover expert where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. In every movie or book, there's usually a story that has a villain or bully and, of course, a hero. And often the hero rises above some sort of adversity that they overcome. So, I want to ask you a question. I just like think about this for a second. Are you the hero or villain in your own story, so to speak? And if you've had something traumatic happen in your life where you keep, you know, like kind of spinning your wheels, it's keeping you stuck and, and it's preventing you from moving forward in your life. I mean, maybe it's getting over a narcissistic relationship where you were cheated on or a severe emotional abuse when you were a child, or even dealing with a controlling boss in a toxic work environment, whatever it is, traumatic experiences can cause serious emotional harm and be extremely difficult to fully let go and recover from. And it's normal to feel scared and insecure and guarded amongst a whole range of emotions, but that doesn't mean you need to allow this feeling to consume you for the rest of your life. And just because something awful happens, it doesn't mean that you have to be sad forever. And more importantly, let it define you. Because if you fail to let go of the past, you only end up hurting yourself and the possibility of future relationships. So that all is good in theory, but what do you do to move on? Clinging to the past won't change it and it won't solve anything. And when you accept what has happened, no matter how difficult it might be, and make peace with it, you can let it go. And here's the thing that maybe you haven't even thought of, even lean into it to have it become something that is your gift or you become the hero in your story. But you have to change the script. And I always say, if you want to change your own story, you have to go back to the beginning of your story in order to change the narrative. I'll never forget, there was this guy that I worked with, and this this is the most profound story, where he had um, gotten in a car accident when he was in college, and he lost all mobility, all speech, everything. And he went into a coma, and he almost died. And he was able to rehabilitate himself and everything came back. And by the time I met him at a conference, I just saw this good looking, confident dude. I mean, I had no clue that that had happened to him. And he came up to me and he said, Kimmy, I would like some help with my confidence. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, you need help with your confidence. Well, what what do you need help with? He's like, well, and he told me the story about his confidence. Now, there was this one thing that he told me that he's like, well, don't you see that? I'm like, what, 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 what should I be saying? And he's like, well, I have this little twitch in my mouth and I have this movement in my arm. I said, well, I didn't see it until you pointed that out, but how is that like stopping you? And he's like, well, it's my trauma. And I feel like when I talk to women, that's all they see. And I said to him, well, it's because that's all you see and that you're making that them aware of that. And so 
what, so anyway, he, he signed up for coaching with me. We did a whole evolution as you all know that I do between the makeover, the styling, the photo shoot, he had to see himself differently, but where did I take him to get over his fears? Vegas. And so we went to Vegas and he started chatting up a storm. And I said, instead of leading with, you know, and excusing yourself with what you have, why don't you lean into it and just talk to the women? You know, like, don't make a point of it. And so he started doing it. And wouldn't you know, by the end of day two, he got all these women's numbers. He couldn't believe it. And what he realized is that this whole time, he was thinking of it as his scarlet letter. And I think we all have scarlet letters, you know, and he turned his scarlet letter into a, a triumphant medal that he leaned into. And then ultimately he did find love. And it took kind of that beginning part of him getting over himself into leading into that. And so adversity is, they are gifts in disguise. And, and it's not until you're through it until you look back and say, ah, there's the gift. With me today is a very special guest who has had his fair share of adversity, and he has not only overcome it, but he has used it to become a hero to himself and now others. From homeless to hero, with an ace score of 10, he found his way from stuck, hurt, and broken to being the hero of his own story. Today, he has coached thousands of trauma warriors around the world to learn to love themselves, get unstuck, and to be unbroken. Michael, unbroken, are you there? I am, my friend. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here with you. I am too. And I, I mean, I was on your podcast and I feel like we we couldn't stop talking. So I'm glad like we, we're still talking over here. Uh, well, I mean, I know I know more of your story probably than people listening. So I, I always like to tell the story and you you have a lot of stories within your story, but maybe just share a little bit about your unbroken part of of your past and and how you got into all this. Yeah, for sure. I'll give you the, the elevator pitch version. So grew up in Indianapolis. Um, my mother was a drug addict and alcoholic. And in fact, when I was four years old, she actually cut off my right index finger. And so that's context. That's where we start. My stepdad's super abusive, kicked the shit out of my brothers and I, put me in the hospital multiple times. Um, between eight to 12, I lived with over 30 different families. I started doing drugs at 12, getting drunk at 13, kicked out of school at 15, um, didn't graduate high school, last chance programs, blah, 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 blah. Um, at 18, uh, I tell my mother, I'll never talk to you again, which is honestly probably the only reason I'm here with you today. And I made a declaration that I was like, all right, I'm going to solve poverty, homelessness, abuse, everything that I've been through. I'm going to go chase money. And so I, I made a declaration by the time I'm 21, I want to make a hundred grand a year legally. And that was because my three childhood best friends have been murdered. My family, I have my uncle in prison for life, many other people. And I've been in handcuffs more times than I can count. So I was like, all right, dude, you got to do something different. And um, my life hit rock bottom after I achieved this goal. By the time I was 26, I made a million bucks, but it was $50,000 in debt, borrowing money from my girlfriend who lived with me to pay our rent. I was 350 pounds, smoking two packs a day, drinking myself to sleep, high from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to bed. My little brother says, never talk to me again. And I put a gun in my mouth. 13 years later, I'm here with you. 
Wow. Mic drop. <laughs> so many questions I have. Um, and I love that, like, we can be real and, like, kind of talk about this stuff because, I mean, everyone has challenges. Everyone has trauma. I don't care what people say. I mean, there's different versions of trauma. How, like, how did you get from there to here? I mean, what were some of the kind of like important things that happened in your life? Well, you know, I think everything's important, right? It all, everything has context. There's something to be derived of every experience that we have. Um, one, I think it's my personality. Um, I'm incredibly stubborn. I know this about myself. And so it's my greatest character trait and my greatest flaw. No question. Because when I get zeroed in, it, it's happening. Hell or high water, I'm doing what I say I'm going to do. Anyone who knows me will contest to this. If I say it's happening, it's going to happen. Only thing keeping me from doing it is time. And so what happened was when I'm when I'm 25 heading into 26, I have this massive rock bottom. And, and effectively, I'm laying in bed one morning. It's 11 o'clock. I'm smoking a joint, eating chocolate cake, and watching the CrossFit games. Right now, imagine this 350 pound guy watching the most fit people on fucking planet Earth working out. And and it dawned on me. I was like, this it literally hit me like this. It was like, this is your fault. And and what I what I realized in that it wasn't the childhood stuff, because that ain't that's not on me. But all the stuff that was happening, the debt, the alcohol, the women, the drugs, the clothes, the cars, the all that like that was on me. And so I, for whatever reason, I picked myself up I went, I looked at myself in the bathroom mirror and I remembered being eight years old and the water company had come and turned our water off. Right. And this is blistering hot Indiana summer day. Right. You, you're from the Midwest, you know, those days. Oh, and, and for whatever reason, I go in the backyard and I grab this little blue bucket. I walk across the street to our neighbor's house. And for the first time, I stole water. And I remember being like, when I'm a grown up, this is not going to be my life. And so in a lot of ways, it wasn't right. You look at my life on paper. I have no high school diploma, no college education. They literally gave me my high school diploma. They're like, we are so done with you, dude. Get out. I graduated with like a 1.1 GPA. Missed 90 days of school my senior year. I didn't earn that shit. And so I'm sitting here. I'm working for a Fortune 10 company, making all this money, living a life that people from where I'm from would kill to live. And, and yet every single aspect of my life is a disaster. And so people always ask, what'd you do to change? What did you do to change? What did you do to change? I'm like, I changed. That's what I did to change. I made decisions. Look, life, life is very simple. There's, there's three elements to this that I really have kind of developed in my own psyche over the years. You have to have clarity about what you want. You have to take massive action and you have to be patient. And that's why it's taken me 13 years to be here. Because at 25, I hit rock bottom. I'm about to be 38. And I, and I look at this and it's just like, what did I have to do? Well, in the mirror, when I remember that moment of being eight years old, I asked myself, what are you willing to do to have the life that you want to have? And God, spirit, universe, mother nature, Batman, I don't know, something put <laughs> in my brain no excuses, just results. 
And that has been the way I've operated my life since that moment. And we're talking about, I did the math actually, Kimmy, I'll give you context. So, you know, I coach people, I have books, blah, 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 whatever, right? I'm in a coaching session with my my group one day and one of the people go, how much have you really invested in yourself? Like monetarily, I was like, I don't know, a lot. And I was like, I'll find out and I'll report back. And so, <laughs> and so I've had the same credit card forever. And so I go get all the statements. I go online. You can actually only download like seven years. So I got to go to the freaking bank and <laughs> sign a thing. And they got to print. And I got to do all this. Thing. And so I get a spreadsheet because I'm an insane person. And I start looking at every therapy cost, every book, everything I've ever spent money on, all the coaching, all the events, all the conferences, everything. And it was, this is where no excuses comes into play. Because I can always find a reason not to do something. There's always not enough money. There's always not enough time. There's always not enough something. And I said no excuses, and I meant it. And so that number came out to $275,000 in 10,700 hours. That's what I had to do to change my life. Wow. I love that you got the stats on that for yourself. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Here's an interesting question because you said that clarity piece is is really important. And I think sometimes people going in think that they know what they want, you know, and, they, and that they're clear. When you were going through that kind of chaos where, you know, making a bunch of money, going through women, drugs, all that stuff, did you think you were clear? Like what was what was clear in your mind then? That's a good question. So growing up, I didn't have a father right? Like many kids from the hood and I'm biracial, black and white. And so I have to, and there's this weird dichotomy of being raised by a racist white grandma and simultaneously growing up in the hood. And so, you know, I, I didn't really have like this model for what being a man meant. I didn't have a model for what it mean, even really be a human, right? It was kind of like, I'm a fucking robot walking down the street, just whatever happens, happens. And I'm, I'm 13. Yeah, 13. And my friend Armand gives me a copy of Jay-Z's Blueprint album. And I was in that moment, I was like, yep, this is everything I want. Girls, money, weed, cars, suit, I want it all. And that became the very thing I thought about every single day. And and the the thing that I had clarity about was make a hundred grand a year, have sex with a lot of people, buy cool shit. So was it clear? Yep. Was I in alignment? Nope. And so that's what happened is I sat there and I looked at my life and I was like, this is great. I got a $2,000 bar tab. Me and my friends take limos to clubs. I got on all these clothes. I got this 85. I bought an $85,000 car when I was 21. Nobody does that. You know what I mean? And so I lived that extravagant lifestyle. But guess what? There's a price to pay for that right? Mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, I paid a price. And that's because I didn't have alignment. I didn't have alignment. I had no idea who I was. And I thought, if I get all this stuff, Kimmy, if I get all the women, and if I get all the shit, I'll be happy. I'll be great. I'll be great. And then it's like, you're an idiot. And what you actually need to do is you need to step inside the discomfort of becoming the person you're capable of being. Bam. And that's why I asked that because I think, and I see this all the time, you know, I'll have like a call with a client and I'll ask that golden question of if you had a magic wand and you waved it in the air, what would be different for you right now? 
And most people can't really, can't, they can't really answer that. Um, they'll say maybe, well, I want a relationship. I'm like, well, in three months, how, how are you supposed to get a relationship? What, what are you doing that's different? Because you, you, you haven't gotten one up until this point. And people can't really say that. And so I think it's great to have clarity, but the alignment piece is so important because given what you just said, all of that that you were doing, you had clarity, you had goals, and you were driven to to put yourself into action. But it was like a misalignment for, you know, really fulfilling yourself with that happiness, that love that maybe you didn't have earlier on, right? And so I I appreciate that you said that because I see this all the time happen and it's so important to get clarity. Like even after divorce, a lot of times, oh, well, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna date to find a relationship. Well, wait a second. You just got out of a full relationship. Is that really what you want? And mostly when I peel away the layers, they're like, Oh, actually, no, I just want to have fun and have sex. I'm like, great. Now we're in alignment. <laughs> let's yeah. go get some, right? <laughs> so- <laughs> totally. Yeah, let's. Let's go right now. Let's uh, go. Let's go. Um- get some. <laughs> I know. I really did that with a client. She was trying to ha- get a relationship. Yeah, like, Yeah. Like, you've never had one. What What are you doing? And she, I, I, you've never had sex at 45 years old. Yeah. People should not deny themselves their most basic human want. Mm-hmm. Like you want something, go get it. As long as it's actually true. Don't do it. Cause yes. Kimmy wants it or Michael wants it. Don't do it. Cause you saw that shit on TV, do it because you want it. And so clarity is everything, right? I mean, it, it's kind of asinine in my life to a, to an extent, cause I think it might be overkill, but it works for me where I literally write everything to a T. I mean, the, my ideal relationship, not just person relationship, who she is, who I am and what we build is a six page handwritten document, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Think about this for a second. I know you'll understand this. When you get a car, you sign a document, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what you're getting. Mm-hmm. You go to the restaurant, you get a menu, you pay a receipt, you get a receipt at the end. You know what you're getting. Why don't we do that in relationships? Mm-hmm. Why do we just dive into shit and hope it works for the best? Clarity is everything. In fact, here, I'll give you a funny anecdote. Not anecdote, it's a real story. So I'm on Hinge two years ago. And I have a series of five questions that I actually have copy-paste saved in my phone that if I match with someone, I send within three responses. Because I want to know what you're about, high level. Just give me enough to know, like, do I want some more cake, right? And so this woman goes, you're a control freak and you're never going to get what you want in life. And I was like, and that's where you're wrong. Because I will, because I know what I'm aiming towards. One of the questions, I'll give you context, because people are like, what are the questions? The questions are very simple. (laughs) (laughs) I think you've done this before. You you have a podcast, right? Like, you know. I I do, one or two. And so I'm like, question number one, what are your values? Mm -hmm. Question number two, when was the last time you were offended? Question Mm -hmm. number three, when is the last time you failed and how did you handle it? Question number four, do you want kids? Do you want marriage? Question number five, and and question number five is my favorite. Is like, do you like gummy bears? Oh, that's and so this 
And this woman goes, what are you trying to do? Build a bitch? And I was like, what are you talking about? I just want clarity so we don't waste our time. Okay, so I'm glad we're talking about women because I I was going to ask, like with with your journey, you know, from trauma to triumph, as you call it, which I love, did you see a different pattern of women that you attracted as you were kind of like building yourself? All right, this is... This is not to be mean. I'm just being, I'm calling it what it Straight is. Up. Yeah. That pattern of women were unconfident women who were willing to do anything to have admiration, love, and compassion. How do I know this? Because I was that man mm-hmm. and like attracts like. And so time and time and time and time again, it was like, yo, dummy, why don't you stop dating your mom? These overbearing women who need your attention, who no matter what you do, will never love you as you are. And they seek attention in any capacity that is humanly possible because they're trying to fill their empty cup because they're terrified to love themselves first. Yeah. Why do I know this? Because that was me. Yeah. Yeah. So pattern, yeah, you get exactly, ex- I, I believe that, I do believe this truly, like we're we're on this spinning ball in the middle of a universe that is exponentially bigger than we can ever even comprehend, and there's energy everywhere, and we attract what we are. When I go look at my circle of peers, when I'm a teenager, my early 20s, my late 20s, my early 30s, and then today, Whoever I have been is who those people have been in reciprocation. And so, you know, it, it's not far-fetched for me to look back on those those moments. Those, who okay, look, let, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something fucking controversial, which I've been known to do. Why would a woman date a man who is 350 pounds, who chain smokes cigarettes, who calls them bitch all the time, who is emotionally unavailable, and only thing they care about is making money? because they're willing to do whatever it takes to have somebody notice them. And that man, me, i.e. at 23, 24, was like, please, God, anybody, somehow, some way, please sleep with me so I feel good for 18 seconds until I orgasm. And then again, I'm in this position where I'm like, dummy, what the fuck are you doing with your life? Yeah. Well, and what you're speaking to is like a pattern of, this kind of like confidence that needed to happen because both parties, both the women that you were attracting and you were looking for outside validation to build the confidence, which you know is an empty pit because it's never, it's like a gumball machine with a quarter that's broken. It keeps coming out. Like nothing's coming out, you know, and you keep putting it in. And that is, that is the journey. So then at what point did you discover that pattern and like, how did you, how did you shift it? Or maybe you haven't yet. I don't even know. Yeah. You don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm asking. (laughs) Here's what's really, really interesting. I always knew. I always knew what I was doing. Mm, there, there, yeah, there, okay. there's, I cannot deny that. Like I, I like, it, it's like, it's like this. I, I think about this a lot, actually. I had clarity about the kind of woman I wanted to date because I knew that it would be easy, mm. that it, we would never have any real emotional connection. I wouldn't have to open my heart. 
I wouldn't have to ever be vulnerable. I could be a rock. That's That was what it was. And so I knew that going into it because I knew if I could do that, I'd always be safe. Right. Imagine if your first understanding of love and, and, and nurturing comes from a mother who's a drug addict and alcoholic who cuts your finger off. And every day you have to look down at this hand. That's your representation of love. Right. And so I look down at my hand. It's cut, scarred, mangled, discolored, missing. Like, and, and then it's like, OK, cool. So women are dangerous. Mm-hmm. So do not allow them in. But because we're humans, we have to have connection. So connect with them up to a point. And when you get there, do whatever you can to destroy it or push them away so that you don't have to worry about getting hurt. And Kimmy, I knew it. I knew exactly what I'm doing. I have, for whatever reason, always been self-aware to a certain extent in a psychological way in which I can understand my behavior patterns, right? And I think a lot of people are, they just choose to ignore it. Right. So that that was the game again and again and again and again and again. And then what happened is I started doing the work, right? And we talk about this. What does the work mean? Well, it's therapy, it's coaching, it's working out, not smoking, not drinking, not getting high, um, not not wasting money on dumb shit. And and what it turned into was I'm 29. I'm with this girl who like, God bless her, because Lord knows I couldn't have dealt with me. I don't know how the fuck she did. And I, I sat down with her one day here. Context right now. Context. In 12 minutes. You know more about me than she did for seven years of a relationship. Mm. And at 29, I sat her down and I said, I have to go deeper into this. I'm leaving you. I'm leaving Indiana. I'm leaving everything behind. I'm going to do this men's group trauma. I'm, I found this awesome therapist. I hired this coach. I'm going to do all these things. That was a dec- almost a decade ago now, right? I'd already been doing some work, but a mat- you know how long it takes to uncement that level of trauma? So I would be in my therapist's office just being like, two-word answers. You're not getting, I'm, I'm going to be here, but I'm not here, right? And so it got deeper and deeper and deeper. And in that work, one of the things that I made a declaration of myself was like, okay, a couple of things are going to happen. At some point, you got to stop dating. You got to stop being around women right? And you got to work on you. And so for four years, I was single. And for a lot of those four years, I would go on a date here or there. But for a lot of those four years, I was like celibate. Mm. Right. And then I went on that eat, love, pray shit. I ended up in fucking Bali like everybody. It's stupid, fucking ridiculous. But I, <laughs> I, I saw I, you there. No, I'm just <laughs> but I do that. that. I go that. I go. I go live in Asia. I write my first book. I practice martial arts. I get super fit. I've lived all over the world at this point. I, I traveled a lot. Blah 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 blah. And 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 dating now, because to answer your question in a very long winded manner, um, is very different. Because I won't even go on a date if you can't answer those five questions. Mm. And more so, like, if I'm on a date, because I'm super busy, like, I'm looking for a very specific kind of person. And so I'm just single. I'm not even on dating apps. I just, you know, it's, I know what I want right now. And it's career and it's life and it's health. And the universe will place that human in my path when the time is right. And, you know, the, the dating app thing is interesting, right? Because people posture really hard on those. 
And then it's like you get to know them and the truth comes out. And then you're like, ah, you got me. You said you listened to that podcast, but you don't even know who they are. You never even heard of Kimmy. Ah, you said you work out at 530 in the morning, but I spent the night on a Tuesday and you don't get up till nine. Right. And so to me, I'm just kind of like at this point in my life and we're on that. It's like, whatever. <laughs> like, honestly, it's just whatever. <laughs> well, it's interesting hearing your, you know, how you're phrasing it. And 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 actually, it's a good segue into what I, I want to talk about. And in, in, in the beginning, we we're talking about letting go. You know, when you grew up in a, a home like you did, there was a lack of control. I mean, when you're in an abusive situation, like you, you're living in almost this hypervigilance. You don't know when the ball's going to drop. You don't know what's going to happen. And so, you know, fast forward, you found a way to gain control, right? And then that was mm-hmm. with women, with other things, you know, and, and having that sense of control eases the anxiety of the uncertain. And so, right. And so like, as, as you go through the journey and it's almost like a, a self-regulation, I call it the pendulum effect. You can be over like in this hyper, like controlling kind of way. And then you might go to the other side. It's like, you know what? I don't care anymore, you know, and, and just kind of like let, let go, you know, and the minute when you let go, there's something so beautiful about it. Cause you're able to be more present. Um, but there's also somewhere in between, right? Like you can't totally let oh, go right. and say, I don't care because that's also a defense, right? Sure. And so when you when you started letting go, like what would you say to someone who is working on trying to let go of some of that control in, in, in the past? Let me ask you a question. If I gave you a backpack with a thousand pounds of bricks in it, mm-hmm. how long would you carry it? Mm. And that's how I think about trauma, right? That's how I think about abuse. That's how I think about the people, the relationships, the friendships that didn't work out. You know this as well as I do. People come to you and they're they're stuck up on Chad from when they were 18 and they're 52. So what are you what are you doing, Carol? Let go. Right. And every guy they date, they see Chad's face. (laughs) Totally. They're like, everywhere I go, he's there. And the one like, shut up. That's what, like, what are you doing? And so and so the thing, the thing about it is uh, trauma is this to me. You have a home. It's beautiful, right? It's, it's great the way it is, right? You do your best to keep it together, but somehow it burns down every single day. Mm-hmm. And then you wake up, but it's still there. But it still burns down again and again. Because what's happening, you're, you're walking outside and there's all this trash in your front yard. And you just step over it and the ashes and the, the structures that don't work. And you pretend it's not there. But every single day you walk back into that house, it's still outside that window. And at some point you have to realize it ain't your trash, but it's your house. And you have to make a choice and a decision. The letting go aspect of it is the hardest aspect of it because people misconstrue letting go. They hear letting go and like stuff it down, hide from it, run from it, drink it away, fuck it away. Blah. Nope. Tried it. Doesn't work. I promise. If you take anything from me, take that from me. If you take nothing. The only thing that works is you have to acknowledge first. Mm. That's the hardest element of it. You have to look at it and go, yep, that happened. I hid. I would literally. so. Uh, I would literally like tuck my finger behind the rest of my fingers. So nobody could see that my mom had done that to me Mm. and I would hide. Nobody's looking. 
right? To your point earlier in that beautiful story, nobody's looking, right? You are, you're always in it. You're always in it, always in it. And so eventually what happens, you have to acknowledge, you have to just go, that happened. It's fact. It's fact. You can't change it. And what's interesting is like, it's a part of the human experience. Everybody's got a traumatic experience. Okay. Are you going to be trapped in it? Maybe. But why? Because you've leveraged the idea that it's your identity. But it's not. It's an event. It's a thing that happened. Remember that time you had really, really amazing barbecue in Texas? That ain't your identity. But yet you hold on to that as this beautiful, great memory. And then when something bad happens, somehow you go, that is me. Oh, but it's not. It's not you. And so when you acknowledge it, you're not being culpable. Very different. Let's be very clear. You are not responsible for the bad things that happen. It's not my fault. My stepdad beat the shit out of me. Six foot four, 225, linebacker size dude beating up a seven-year-old. You think that's on me? No, but I carried it. Mm -hmm. Backpack. And then the more I carried all of this, racist grandmother, having a learning disability, wetting the bed till I was in my teens, getting beat up and bullied because our food came from pantries and our clothes came from the Goodwill, going through and having all of the kids in school hate me because all I ever tried to do was be them because I was terrified to be me, backpack. And one day I had to sit that shit down and go, this isn't for me. This isn't who I am. And in letting go, letting go leads to freedom. And in freedom, you get to explore. And when you explore, you get to discover. And when you discover, you find love. And when you find love, you end up giving yourself the very thing that you were denied. But here, I'm going to give you the, I'm going to ruin everybody's day right now. I'm going to ruin everyone's day. Because everyone's like, oh, that's so beautiful. I love that. That's how oh, God, I can do that. You can't do that until you do this. Acknowledgement, right? We talked about this, step one. But you have to acknowledge this specifically. You are not a child anymore. And until you become responsible for your life, nothing will be different. Can I say amen? Like, like, that was amazing. Amazing. I got chills when you were talking about that, that kind of, you know, acknowledgement, because there's different, like, interpretations of that. But as, as you were really, like, dissecting it, I, I think it's important for you listening how he defined acknowledgement. It's one thing to say, yeah, that happened, but to really acknowledge it and feel it the way that you're talking about it is so, so important. And the way that you define yourself too with that, because also what you're talking about is a mindset. And like given your metaphor of the bricks, are, were there certain, I mean, obviously like you, you went exercising and you did some things with your body and that kind of thing, just like my red dress moment. Are there, were there actual exercises that people could do to like start taking out the bricks of their backpack? 
Um, you know, and I'll speak from my perspective. Yeah. One, what's interesting is along this journey, I did become a certified personal trainer and nutritionist because I just realized I don't know anything about the human body. We're not taught it. So I'm like, I need to understand this. And then like I had six packs and blah, 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 whatever. Right. But, but it all started with, all right. So there's this amazing, amazing, amazing video. That's probably one of the very first viral videos on YouTube. Um, Google Arthur and DDP yoga. And I promise you, you're going to cry for four minutes. So here's what happens. I'm 26. I'm on the internet. I love wrestling as a kid. Fake wrestling, pro wrestling. If I said fake wrestling, somebody's going to like email me. They hate me now. It'll be the worst <laughs> thing I've ever said. So <laughs> professional wrestling. So I'm watching. I love it as a kid. There's this guy called Diamond Dallas Page. He has this program called DDP Yoga. But when it started, it was called Yoga for Regular Guys. So imagine we're talking about 13 years ago in Indiana, me being like, I'm going to do yoga. And this dude who I loved as a kid makes a fucking yoga program called Yoga for Regular Guys. And at the time, keep in mind, I'm 350 pounds. So I order it. It comes on DVDs. And so I take the DVD only when my girlfriend is at home because I'm embarrassed. And I put it in the DVD player and I start doing yoga. And it started connecting my brain to my body. And I'd never felt this before. I never, I, I grew up playing sports. I wrestled, did martial arts, played football, baseball, the whole nine. But as an adult, being consumed with drugs, alcohol, sex, and rock and roll, um, all, all the terrible things that are going to send you to hell, um, I never got into my body. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I felt safe enough in my living room on that yoga mat watching these dvds to cry and that had not happened since i was a child because it literally had been beaten out of me mm. literally i'm not joking i thought i was a sociopath because i didn't understand the biological response to stressors being autonomic and that you have to do whatever it takes to survive my stepdad would beat the shit out of me and say, if you cry, I'll hit you harder. What do you think happens? You stop crying. And so I'm laying on this mat, I'm crying and I'm realizing in that, that's where the letting go is happening. Not fully and entirely, but enough that I could like, and trust me, I fought it. I fought it. It was terrifying to me. I didn't understand it because in my brain, I go, you're a pussy, you're a coward, you're a bitch. You're letting them win. Yeah. Right. And then I realized what was happening was, no, no, you're healing. You're giving your body the thing that you need. And so it was yoga. It was meditation. It was journaling. It was martial arts. It was riding bicycles. It was jogging. And then now, you know, it's been, I've done CrossFit events and I've done a marathon and I've practiced Muay Thai across the world and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, it all started with like, I'm just going to move today. Yeah. And that's the, I can give you a million modalities. It doesn't matter what it is. Just move move get that shit out of you I, I teach my clients all the time like you're mad at the world good you should be go hit something not a human though not an animal inanimate object right boxing bag buy a wiffle ball bat some of my clients i buy them wiffle ball bats and i mail it to them i go beat the shit out of your couch cushions mm -hmm. do something with this rage stop holding it in the biggest thing that that happens is we learn to turn off emotionally you know this 
And so what happens, you got to turn those emotions on, but you have to be able to control those emotions when you turn them on or they're going to run rampant. Next thing you know, you're doing some crazy shit. And then you're on a TV show on Netflix talking about how I murdered somebody. Right. And so you got to step back and you got to assess this and you got to have the proper team around you and coaches and, and mentors and therapists and, and guides and Yodas so that you don't end up fucking blowing up everything around you when you discover that actually anger is an emotion that you're capable of having. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what's so almost, it's almost like paradoxical, you know, because when you're so used to being in control, that letting go <laughs> is actually being in control. It's almost like a weird thing, right? If you think about it, because when you're in your body, you have full sense of yourself and you, and, and you can be your own guide in your body. But when you're doing things like numbing out and doing things outside your body or in your head, that's actually what takes you out of control. Yeah. And out you just of your body. Yeah. You just made me think of something that was really important in this journey. I actually don't talk about enough. Mm-hmm. And I want to bring the light. You said numbing. I've been thinking about the that that song from Pink Floyd a lot recently, Comfortably Numb. And, and this idea that when people really understand that, like you're comfortably numb, you're good where you are. And so you need to do something to shake shit up. That might actually be sobriety. Mm-hmm. And so I remember I took two years straight, no drinking, no drugs of any capacity. And I promise you, Kimmy, it was so incredibly difficult because guess what? You got to be in your own head. You got to sit in your own shit. There ain't no no Xanax going to help you, (laughs) right? And so what it was is I, I decided to do that. I made a cognizant effort because I was like, Okay, think about this. You're, you, it's historical data, right? Mm-hmm. If everything I've ever done has led me to this place, why in the fuck do I assume that what I've done before will take me to where I want to go? And thus, I have to pattern interrupt and do something so radically different that it forces me into the unknown in which I can discover who I truly am. And again, what did I tell you? When you discover, you find love. And so in that, what happened is I was in these crazy deep therapy sessions. You know, I'm talking about on Monday, it was gestalt therapy. On Wednesdays, it was men's group trauma therapy. On Fridays, it was EMDR. Sprinkle in a little CBT, throw in some tapping over here. That was my week for two years. Dedicated, no excuses. Then add on the coaching and the events and the conferences and the podcasts, blah, 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 right, whatever. And and during that time, there was no alcohol, no drugs. It was deal with it. And that's where that's where you find out who you really are. Because here's the thing, and I I I'm not a doctor, so don't take my medical advice because I'm I don't have a high school diploma. I wouldn't even listen to me if I were you right now. Right. And so what I will say about that is like we live in the most overmedicated society on planet Earth. And every time things gets hard, things get hard. People are like, I got to go pop this pill, have this bottle of wine, smoke this cigarette. Like, no, motherfucker, what you need to do is deal with the truth. I'm not saying those interventions aren't necessary every now and then. Trust me, I like a good cocktail when I need one. But as a whole, as a whole, you need to stop running from yourself. And we live in a society that's made it okay for you to run when it gets hard. And here's the, again, I'm going to ruin your day. 
here's the hard truth of that. You're a coward when you do that. Because what happens is when you do that, you're taking away from somebody whose life you could touch because of your healing journey. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Everything you're saying, you're not ruining the day. You're actually making it brighter by, by just exposing, I think, things that people, you know, feel and, and just normalizing it too, because so many people go through this and it, it is that, and it's just, again, paradoxical when you stand, when you stand still and you stop running and you're really in your body, that is truly when you let go. It really is. It's slowing down. And I see this even happening in the dating world with the apps, you know, like, and, and, and I'm, I'm all for everything, any, anywhere you can meet someone, I'm all for it. You know, I'm not dissing anything, but I do see people numbing out on the apps where they're just swiping their life away, but they're not really in it. They're just going through the motions. Right. So like we do a lot of things saying, oh, I'm working on it. I'm dating. I'm doing this, I'm doing that, but they're not in it. They're not standing still. They're not slowing down to really feel it. So I really, I so appreciate this conversation and you. And again, I could go on and on and on. And like on your podcast, I'm like, oh my God, where'd the time go? Um, so any parting words of wisdom that you would like to share? I mean, you've had so many gold nuggets, but maybe just something to put a button on things and also let everyone know where they can find you. Yeah, well, it's been so fun. I'm like, I, we need more time for sure. We're going to need to sit right. down and do like four hours sometime. Um, yeah, I'm everywhere. Just go to the Think Unbroken podcast. The Amazing Kimmy has been on there, um, as well as some other cool people. Um, look, I mean, here's the here's reality. Like, I don't know anything you don't know. I'm not a, I'm not some guru. I'm not I'm not some dude who somehow figured out how to navigate the world in a way that other people before me haven't done. I just simply look at life and I go, is it possible? Okay, cool. Based on what? Did somebody do it? Yes. Then I can do it too. And that's the game. That's the whole game. And you have been through it and you are such an inspiration. And if you can do it, you can too, you listening. So thank you so much. I so appreciate you. Michael Unbroken. I wish I had like the, that noise machine that goes, ah. <laughs> thank you. And then thanks for joining me today. Of course, this has been the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, Kimmy Seltzer. Of course, remember you can build confidence, make connections and find love from the outside in. And if you want to know more, make sure you go to my site, KimmySeltzer.com. And if you are having a hard time letting go of the past to attract love in your life and you want to find ways to move past that fear and really let go, take action by signing up for a free coaching call with me so that I can help you map out that plan so you know where you're going, at least. Don't, don't try to drive the car by yourself blind. Just click the link you see in the show notes and book that. And remember, working on you is working on your dating life. That's all for now.